I was reading uh, a, a news story today. And in this news story, it was written by a Jewish author. And he said, I'd like to give you Christians a uh, little point of view from the outside. He says, Good Friday? Really? Isn't that a bit grim? And it was his point of view of saying, From the outside, we are talking about the death of Christ. We are talking about somebody that was killed. We are talking about somebody that was crucified. We are talking about somebody that died a horrible death. There was no worse death we can think of. Yet, what do we call today? We call it Good Friday. We call it good. And there's a reason that we call it good, and there's a reason that we should approach it that way. I don't, you know, I, I understand from the outside it may seem wrong, but from the inside, it is good. You see, because we need to see the crucifixion the way the people of that time saw it. And there's a verse that, I, there's a section in, in Mark 15. We read the John story, but there's a crucifixion story also in Mark. And when he talks about the crucifixion, he gives us the perspective. And at the end of his perspective, he has a Roman centurion, a Roman centurion who would be probably, we don't even know what language he would have spoke, could have been Latin, could have been Greek at this time. Um, but he cries out after Jesus dies. He cries out, truly this man was the Son of God. How did he know that? How, how did he know that? What clues were there there to help him understand that? Because it doesn't say, and this religious man who studied Scripture, who knew everything, it said, no, this centurion. What's a centurion? He's a soldier. What's a soldier do? Soldier stuff. Okay? And so he is looking at Jesus. He has crucified people before. If he's probably there, that's probably his role. But he looks, he says, this, is the, this was the Son of God. Something struck him. And what happened in the crucifixion story also for the people of that day made it very clear that not only was the crucifixion happening and this was the Son of God, but Jesus made it so clear that they should understand that this wasn't the end. The words that Jesus said on the cross are going to tell us Sunday is coming. And so if we look at Mark chapter 15... Verses 33 to 39. And we've read from John, and now we're going to look at it from Mark. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw, this, saw the way in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Again, Roman centurion, we're not even sure he understood the Aramaic of this time. We're not understood. He understood any Jewish culture. All we're saying is he is saying, truly, this was the Son of God. So what clues do we have in here? What's in here? First of all, the darkness that's over the land. Now, in Roman understanding, in the Greco-Roman world, when kings are born or die, signs are expected in the heavens. And 
proof of their worthiness. So in other words, when somebody was born, there needs to be a sign in the heaven. Well, let's go back a few, the last holiday we kind of gathered together. Remember Christmas? Remember the Magi showing up? Remember the fact that the Romans and the, Mag- and the Magi, who were basically astrologers, seemed to get it? Now, as Jesus died, the Roman is looking up in the, uh, in the air and saying, something is happening. Some great person is either dying or being born today. And the loss is so great that all of nature has to respond. In other words, this is the code to the culture. The, the nature is saying, you know what? This is something big. And Jesus is being mourned by the heavenly bodies. And this is the way the Greco-Roman world would have understood it. And so when the centurion's looking up, he's saying, nature is not happy. Something is wrong today. You see, because Jesus speaks to us. Jesus speaks to us in a way that we can understand. Jesus says things, and the Bible says things in our culture. And sometimes when we read something in the Bible, we say, well, why was it dark? And a lot of different theories have come up, but we really have to come down to, why was it dark for those people there? They had to understand this. And what this centurion understood was, some great person is dying, and I may be seeing that. Okay? The second thing that we see is the cry of abandonment. In verse 34, uh, a lot of people call this the cry of abandonment, but it's, he says, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. And I will not butcher the Aramaic again. I've heard it said a lot of different ways. But he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in this way, Jesus was quoting Psalm 22. Now, if you were a person of this day, you have to know that when you quote a verse... If you are a Jewish person, you quote the, you mean, look at the whole thing. So when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you look at the end of, of Psalm 22, here's how Psalm 22 ends. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried out to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before, before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Now you may say, why didn't he read that whole thing? He's on a cross. Okay? This is called the way it is. You're not going to say, look up Psalm 22. When a rabbi said a verse, he said, look at that whole thing. That is the cultural understanding at this time. And everybody is... I think most people have looked at this and seen it as a negative, but it's actually Jesus saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? But I know the end of the story. And what he was saying is, go read Psalm 22. It tells you what's going to happen. There's going to be a glorious change to this. 
this is not it. God has not abandoned him here. God has not said, I don't love you anymore. He is saying, this is going to turn out great. That's why we celebrate Good Friday today. That's why we're here today. Because we know how it turns out. And Jesus wanted to tell the people at the time, it always seems like the religious people are the slowest to understand. We go back to Christmas, same thing. I mean, a bunch of astrologers, who I, I think most of us would say, if you follow your life by your astrological sign and everything that's printed in the paper, probably not the most wise thing to do, investing in stocks based on your... Astro- okay, we would say that. But Jesus spoke to them and they listened. Religious people, eh, we're not sure. But here's Jesus giving them a sign and saying, this is going to turn out the way it should. Now there's another sign that he gives them. And that's in verse 38. When it says, um, oh excuse me, there's another thing that he says, and that is the second loud cry in verse 37. In verse 37 it says, And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And you may say to yourself, why does Mark include that? Well, I tell you what, paper was very expensive at this time. In fact, it wasn't paper, it was a scroll. You didn't write anything unless it had an absolute purpose to be there. So we need to look at this and say, what was the purpose of what he was trying to say here? Because when you see in, that, in verse 39, and when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, the centurion is looking at him and saying, that's not right. He doesn't, that's not how you die on the cross. That's not right. He says, what, breathe a loud cry? The way you die on a cross is, uh, really, I mean, that's it. That's how they die. Because you're worn out, you suffocate to death. How do you have a loud cry if you're suffocating to death? Okay, you can see the centurion saying, okay, sky, quoting stuff, can't really understand that. That might have been more for the Jews. But now, the way he breathed his last, And so exposure of wild animals was another way that people die. But Jesus dies a strange death. He he dies with a powerful burst of energy. Okay? A loud shout would not be normal. Again, you are suffocating to death. The last thing you're going to do is shout. And you see in this, you see Jesus speaking to the people. He is constantly calling out to people and saying, I'm the Son of God. There's a good plan going on right here. Don't worry. And he's preaching to a Roman centurion on the the place. The next thing we see that happened is in verse 38. It says, And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, in Jewish literature, if you look back in the Old Testament, what does the tearing of a cloth mean? The tearing of the cloth means... um, a dying person and a tearing of a cloth is connected. It's always from the top to the bottom and rending of clothes. You ever seen the Bible where they say they tore their clothes? When they were sad, they tore. And when a great king, David, heard that his son was dead and he tore his clothes, that was the sign that something bad had happened. The depth of the tear represents the depth of the grief. Second Kings 2 talks about this. The temple presents the divine point of view which he speaks to the worthiness and greatness of Jesus. In other words, God uses the culture of the day again to say, you've torn your clothes, 
I'm going to tear the entire temple curtain to show you how great of a loss this is. How great of a loss this is. Again, he's speaking to them. God is speaking to them. And he's speaking to us today saying, don't be dismayed. This is actually a positive thing. I am showing you that this is a great loss, but I've also already told you, look at the end of Psalm 22. It's going to be okay. And look at this. And the centurion is seeing the worthiness and greatness of Jesus. The people at this time are seeing the worthiness and greatness. And he, again, speaking to them in their language. And how, so verse 39 comes about. And you see the centurion turn and face Jesus. And he saw the way he breathed his last. Again, he breathed his last with a shout as he's suffocating. And you saw in the John 18 story that he died before all the other guys did. They had to break their legs, which was to kill them off, which is a horrible thing. They just allowed them to suffocate right in front of them. In other times, they let wild animals just come after them. Again, this is not... When we have the crucifixion, and when we talk about it, you know, it's this horrible thing that's happening right here. People are torn limb for limb on this. And it's important to understand, why does he say, truly this was the Son of God? Because Jesus was speaking to him right there. Jesus did not say the word, but God himself in heaven gave him the sign. God himself showed the temple being ripped, the curtain being ripped. God says, Psalm 22, which he could have asked. What is that he's saying? He could ask somebody else. But even at this time, he had enough clues to say, this was the Son of God. This was the Son of God. I've given you enough clues. God gave him clues. Jesus gave him clues. And I want to tell you today, Good Friday is good. Good Friday is the result of Jesus saying, I'm on the cross, I'm crying out, God, why have you forsaken me? But I'm telling you, Sunday is coming. I'm telling you, this is going to be for your good. And if a Roman centurion, who is probably wondering, why am I even here? Is my shift over? I mean, let's be honest. He's, he's crucifying a Jewish person he doesn't know, probably doesn't know what's going on. And he truly claims that this was the Son of God. I'm telling you, God wants to make himself that real to us. God wants to speak to us. God wants us to see the truth of the Scripture. He wants to reveal himself to your friends, to your neighbors, to everybody. It's not just about the resurrection. He shows it when he dies on the cross. Right now, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. And uh, John and myself are going to come up here with a couple stations for... Uh, you to come forward. What we want you to do is to think about today. The reason we take communion on Good Friday is we are taking it as a result and we are saying this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. This, the stories that we've been reading today, God was himself came down to Jesus and he was killed on a cross. His body was broken. His blood was spilled. And it was done for us. It was done for us. So as you come forward and take the elements, uh, please go back to your uh, chair and we'll take communion all together.